We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with our former Los Angeles Rams offensive back, Michael Stewart, who's now, by the way, the head coach of the Bakersfield Drillers. We have to throw that out there a little bit for him. Mike, how you doing, buddy, on our post-draft podcast? Hey, man, we're doing real good, Derek, man, and uh, it's time to get after it. The Rams, I think, did a terrific job, but, man, I'm, I'm excited about the Drillers more excited about these Rams and these picks we're going to talk about here. 
Well, how did spring workouts go? How do they go or how did they go? Well, how did they go with with your with your team here? Oh, they're going great. Uh, you know, we're in a little bit of the preseason before we actually get into spring ball. A lot of conditioning the last few weeks. And so uh, we got one more week of we call it skills and drills. Uh, we do a little competition Friday, do some camaraderie building on Fridays. Uh, tomorrow's our championship Monday where we go in, we talk about life and get some life skills. And then we get after it Tuesday through Thursday. And then next week we'll kind of start spring ball, which will be a little more form. No X's and O's. Are they, are the kids taking you this far? Oh yeah. Yeah. Now that we kind of got some things going on every day. Yeah. Kids are falling in line. We picked up a great, uh, strength coach and, one of the moms, actually, she's she's been a, a kind of powerlifter, world champion power lifter, if you will, for her weight class. But uh, guys have really responded, so I've loved what we've seen in the weight room these last two weeks. Sweet man, I, I'm looking forward to just hearing some of your stories this year as you you get deeper into being a high school coach. It's a little weird now. I mean, it's you're older, you know, you're a little of an older guy, you know, and but you have. I'm not trying. I'm not saying you're an old man, by the way, but you're kind of older for getting into this, and you have all these years behind you. You have you have life experience to share with these kids, and so I'm really interested in seeing how this turns out in terms of how successful you are in some of the things you see in the classroom and on the field that really hopefully shape some kids' lives. Absolutely. So we got a number of things going on. We call it our driller 3.0, but it mainly is taking kids that are a little bit low on their GPA scores to try to obviously get them up to that 3.0, but definitely above a 2.5 in core courses for college. So we got a lot of things on the horizon, a lot of great things, and and we're excited. I've been able to meet with the administration, even down to the band director on our theme song for the year. So uh, we got a lot of excitement, and, you know, we'll get ready. And by August, we'll be ready to go. I think it should be the Ohio State fight song. Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would never go down well there. <laughs> All right, folks, do want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. You can also find our podcasts with, with Clutch Points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at ClutchPoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And don't forget our other shows on the network, Rams Uncensored. That's our rated R podcast, guys. They are seriously rated R, okay? And Bunning Heads and, of course, Norm Hightower's new show, which will come down fairly soon. He'll be breaking down film. Hopefully at least by at least by August. We're gonna hope that happens. And by the way, we do have a contest underway. We love to get feedback on our podcast on iTunes. So once two hundred five star reviews, one lucky winner will get a seventy five dollar ticket to NFL NFL.com. That's how it works. Head on over to iTunes, leave a five star review, and and send us an email at Ramstop nineteen forty five with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward. We'll also read your feedback on the show. And by the way, you're sponsored tonight by Jim Hawk, the author of the book Hollywood's Team. We'll talk a little more about that a bit later. And now it comes down to, Mike, the draft. It took us an awful long time, by the way. You had to go on Thursday night as we were getting closer to that draft pick. And so I'm not sure if you heard it, but 
just as we were getting there to where the Rams were going to pick at 31, we wrote on Twitter, they're on the clock, so on and so forth, and bam, trade. Trade out of there. And nobody here was shocked, okay? The next day, we are getting ready again. I'm manning Twitter this time. I write up there, okay, the Rams are on the clock. Bam. (laughs) Trade. And a couple people gave me a hard time about that when I said the Rams are on the clock. And before you know it, the Rams had traded all over the board on Friday, Saturday, and on Thursday. And we have a completely different set of picks than we even imagined they would be by the time it was all said and done. So what did you think of the Rams maneuvering around the draft board? Well, I think it went into what their overall uh game plan obviously was to try to secure more picks and then try to secure the right picks with the picks that they secured. Uh, yeah, so it was a little bit of etch sketch but I think overall uh, they did a good job in, in, in getting the picks where they needed to. We got, you know, maybe a question or two, but I think overall, great job. Well, what were your questions now that you bring it up? Well, you know, one was – it seemed like they would have taken a linebacker a little bit earlier with the earlier picks. Uh, and they ended up getting one late in the seventh round. So we'll see how that goes. And I, I just thought, you know, again, I, I, I'm still on this wide receiver situation, but obviously no wide receivers were taken. Uh, but, but most importantly, I definitely think that uh, the linebacker we grab in the late round uh, may end up being more like a special team guy and he'll push his way in there. But uh, he was a little bit slower, but, you know, we'll get to them. Well, a couple of things that in terms of talking about the overall the draft, they, they just didn't have enough picks or high enough picks to get every hole filled. We understand that. I mean, this wasn't going to happen. So I, I once they traded back from 45 – I kind of realized that they weren't necessarily looking for a person that would step in there now and start. They were looking for guys they can develop at value rates. And so once they took a pick at 61, it made sense. And that was Taylor Raft, defensive back out of Washington, who is not really great in coverage. His speed's kind of questionable. There's some word about his, his hip. However, his play on the field guy has great instincts, moves the ball, could develop into a starting caliber safety pretty quickly. I, I I get the pick. It makes sense, and there's talk of them even in terms of a three safety set where maybe Rap would become like that Mark Barron who would step up and be a linebacker when need be. So what was your first thought on that draft? On that draft pick with Taylor Rapp. Yeah, my mine was a, a, a little bit, I wouldn't say a shock, but it was like, okay, I can see what the meaning and and the objectivity behind the the draft and maybe filling this dual role. You know, the thing we don't have privy to is is a guy maybe's genetics. You know, we don't know a kid like him who may still be filling out to a degree can now actually be more of a Mark Barron type. And again, the different schemes that Coach Phillips likes to run, 
he likes to have a guy that's more of a hybrid at that, you know, in college, we call it a Rover. And so, uh, you know, that's a guy can drop down and play a little bit more in the box and, and things like that, but has ability to mix it up when need be inside the tackles. And so, uh, it looks like a good thing. You know, I love kind of how the Rams did overall, you know, a number of these guys are either from the West coast or played on the West coast. And so Taylor Rapp fits that being up there at Washington. In the third round, just a few picks later, they go to Daryl Henderson running back from Memphis. And yeah. I look, Sean McVay afterwards said, this has nothing to do with Todd Gurley. I'm sorry, Coach, I don't believe you. <laughs> I just don't. And the reason why is because the Rams have been quite deceptive on the <laughs> knee. And I don't mean that I don't mean that in a negative sense at all. If I'm the Rams, I'm the same way. I'm not talking about the knee. I'm not putting the word out about the knee. I'm keeping it on the DL. I get it. But to me, when you pick a guy this high, a guy with this with the attributes that Daryl Henderson has, you're watching your back in case Todd Gurley and his knee don't make it. What were your thoughts on the Henderson pick? Oh, no doubt. I, I think Daryl Henderson, man, is going to be uh, lights out for 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 the Rams and in, in this season because if you just look at his running style, he can go in between the tackles. Let's just say he's a backup like uh, CJ was last year and he comes in, he spells girly. Well, this guy is a legitimate guy who can take it the distance. I mean, he can run inside outside. The thing I loved about him, you know, reviewing some tape on him is that he doesn't have a lot of wasted steps. He's not doing a lot of juking. He's got a foot in the ground and he's out the gate and he can break tackles and you're not going to catch him. So when I look at a guy like that who can also catch the ball down the field, I don't want to say he's an upgrade to Gurley in the sense of him being an upgrade. But when you add a guy with that type of speed and that type of ability to get in the secondary quickly and then outrun everyone. If I'm Todd Gurley, I'm going, okay. You know, so it definitely looks like they're they're planning for something down the road, absolutely. Now, you mentioned something about the way he moves, the way in terms he doesn't have a lot of wasted steps. Now, when I coached football, I used to teach my my running backs. And this, is, this is in Colorado. It was six-man football, so you even had less in terms of offensive line protection. So I taught my kids step and go, make one one cut and go, and you're gone. That's your commitment. Are you talking about that's what he does? What Daryl Henderson does, like a one cut and go, or are you just talking in terms of his footwork overall? What do you mean by his steps? Well, when you look at him on tape, you'll see that when he takes the handoff, we call it being a north and south runner. That's goal line to goal line. So him being a north and south runner, even when he makes a move on a guy, it's not like a juke sidestep juke. It's just a quick move, and he doesn't lose any momentum when he's running. It's not like he kind of jump steps. Some guys will kind of come to somewhat of a – a stop and then make a move and then they pick up their gear again. He's a guy that keeps his gear in fourth gear and makes his moves according without slowing down. So that's what I mean by no wasted steps. So he just puts a quick move, 
but it's not slowing his speed down as he's running north and south. As for me with this pick, I I like it. I I know a lot of people didn't like the idea of trading, or not, not trading, but drafting a running back early. You and I, when we talked about the things that you're looking for the Rams to answer, and you yes. said, well, you're looking for a wide receiver, and I said, I'm looking in terms of skill position players. So they answered my question, skill position player. I think they're going to find a place for him in the offense. And I know some folks are – are pretty him to settle in the number three spot. I don't think they draft him in the third round with his credentials to be the third running back on this team. I think he's going to be like a 2A or 2B. I think he's going to be getting some snaps. I think we'll have some plays set up for him. I think the idea will be get teams worried about the outside. I think at the, at the end of the year, especially in the championship game in the Super Bowl, Teams won't worry about the Rams hitting the edge of their running backs anymore. I think they are just focused on stopping on the inside gut. And so having a guy who can go inside and out will change that for the Rams. And that's what I think Henderson can do. That's, that's how I'm viewing it in terms of what we talked about with the questions being answered. I was skill position. Henderson's that, Henderson's that guy. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And And I think maybe some of the disgruntled fandomship would be, you know, because the Rams, you know, traded up 24 spots to get him, which says something as well. You know, they were making trades and doing different things and getting certain spots, but I'm sure they figured, you know, if this was a guy that they had on their board as, as a replacement, it's like, well, let's go ahead and make sure we got him. And when you think of it being a third, third rounder, yeah, it's somewhat of a high pick, but at the same time, you're still looking at a guy who will be, quote-unquote, on a rookie contract for a number of years, and there's not a lot, of, a whole lot of money paid out up front, but it gives him time to learn the offense and become an impact player. But I think with his overall skill set, ability to catch the ball, you know, not just in the flat, but, I mean, he's catching the ball down on the field and his ability to run away from people – yeah, I definitely agree. He he's not going to be too far down the depth chart. And again, I just looking at a lot of the clips on him and highlights. When you look at a C.J. Anderson for us last year, who was just strictly inside the tackles, but it was just you know he may get four or five yards and get tackled. This guy can go in there, and then those four or five yards can be a forty, sixty, eighty yard game. So that gives you a lot more versatility on the inside part of the running game along with his ability to get outside. And that's what we need. And that's exactly what we need. Okay, the next pick, round three, pick number 79. So in between 61 and 79, the Rams pick three times. The Rams take David Long, cornerback <sighs> from Michigan. Gosh. A Wolverine. They had school. to take a Wolverine. They had to take a Wolverine. Oh, my gosh. All right. But a lot of good feedback on this pick. I didn't expect that some people did. Cornerback David Long, Michigan. We expected the Rams to take a cornerback in the draft. The guy that took Long and his PFF numbers, his stats, his percentages are outstanding. He only gave up, like, was it 18 or 19 passes this year? Correct. I mean, it was bananas in terms of his numbers. Not a tall guy, not really athletic. He's got some speed to him. 
there are concerns about whether or not he can keep up with some of the bigger, taller receivers out there in the NFC West. But overall, you know, I, I like this pick a lot. I like the value the Rams got here, and especially if they're not expecting him to step in right away and be a starter, which they, they shouldn't. He still Talib and Peters, but he could be a guy that steps in for Talib in a year. So I, I, I got to say, besides the fact that he came from Michigan, I like the pick. Well, you know, I, I think of what the Rams, when you look at a little bit of the history, There's this is another young man who played in this area. He played at Loyola High School. Another great that came out of there was a defensive back, Matt Ware, UCLA, number of years in the league, Philly, a couple of other stops along the way. Uh, so, again, when you're looking at overall, you know, looking for – someone who's not going to have character issues. He fits that. You look for a guy played at Michigan, played in a nice conference. He's going to fit that. He, though he's a California kid, so he fits that. So it's like the Rams are kind of covering all their bases. We get a good player on the field who can fit into our scheme rather easily. We got a great player off the field that now fits into the community and also because he, again, started here locally, you'll hopefully get you know, more fans and things like that. So it's like they're drafting people that fit all their needs, where it's marketing, filling seats, or having guys who can be bona fide players early on. Well, they, they've been filling needs here, and they're not flashy picks. They didn't go for flash. The Rams don't seem to go for flash anymore. But with Les Snead and Sean McVay, what was the last flashy pick they took? Is there one? Yeah, exactly. And so, again, they're building part of, you know, when you look at stereotypical models, if you will, it's like the Ram McVay way, you know, Belichick has the Belichick way. But this is looking like, you know, now being here a number of seasons, the McVay way, we're going to get some guys who ultimately are going to have a little bit of hunger in their tank because, you know, maybe those, you know, when you look at all these guys, absolutely not flashy. And, you know, David Long, you knew he played there, but you didn't hear about him week in, week, week out, and things like that. But he possesses all the things that they need for the position. You know, he had a great shuttle time, short shuttle, and three cone drill, which for corners is very indicative of a guy who can at least get in and out of a break. Speaking of, Guys who can do some things here that are tougher, strong, you know, some of those lunchbox guys that the Rams seem to like right now. With the 97th pick in the draft, Bobby Evans, offensive tackle, Oklahoma. That's who the Rams take. He played both right and left tackle, Oklahoma, and now he'll have the advantage of learning from Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein. And that's going to be an interesting combination here. Now the Rams are addressing something that you talked about, the offensive line. What's your take on Bobby Evans? Well, you know, Bobby Evans is, I think, an outstanding pick here because, one, you know, he's played for Lincoln Riley at the Oklahoma, and, you know, we know the offense that they run is kind of wide open, a lot of pass blocking, also a lot of run blocking as well. And cool thing with Bobby is, Mr. Evans is, he can play – to positions across the board with the exception of probably center. 
So now they're fitting a number of needs, a guy who could maybe go right in there and back up Big Wit, or he could jump down inside and, and give Note Boom and the rest of the guys a little run for their money. So the Rams seem to get guys who can play more than just one position. So he fits all those needs. And, you know, again, playing where he's played uh, out there with uh, Oklahoma and, and the Sooners and all those things, I think it's a great pick. I love the pick. I, I I think it's actually being a bit underrated. He played behind a certain guy by the name of Orlando Brown Jr. So he only started yeah. for one year. Now, Orlando Brown Jr. was dominant on the field during his Oklahoma career. So we're talking about a guy who is just now learning the game. And with Aaron Cromer developing him and him learning from Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein and all those other veterans that are out there, I just – I see this as a guy who could possibly develop into a star down the line. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the fact the Rams also did more on the offensive line later on. It's, it, to me, it's a great pick. And if worse comes to worse, he's versatile enough to go anywhere, guard or tackle, right or left. So to me, this is a pick I think we'll be talking about five, six years down the line from this draft that far, far exceeded expectations that were placed on him at the time. Well, think about it real quick, uh, DC. You made a great point in the sense of he's already played and learned behind a guy who's turned into a great offensive lineman. Once he stepped in there, he did his thing, and now he's a third-round pick for the Rams. So, again, they're getting a guy who's been through a situation before that, yeah, I'm sure he's going to come in and compete. That's what you do when you come into the league. However, he already has a mentality that I'll be ready when my time comes. Oh, you know what? Real quick, here before we move on, we I asked you all your opinions, but I didn't actually get a grade from you on these guys. How dare yeah. I not get a grade from you? So let's back <laughs> up real quick before we talk about Jim Hawk. Okay. Um, let's back up and get our grades. I'm giving for my grade for for Taylor Rapp, I'm giving it a B plus. Give me a B plus. I'm gonna give I'm I'm going with a B plus as well. Just because he can do some versatility, but knock off a little bit maybe for overall speed. Okay. Daryl Henderson running back, I'm going Straight A. I really have fallen in love with this pick. For all things, I am. I am going to go with the A minus, and only the minus because he's a rookie. But absolutely, from what I've seen, but A minus. Mike, I got to call you on this, man. A rookie? They're all rookies. Well, they're all rookies, but when you're talking about this particular position coming in behind a Todd Gurley, again. are you going to really unseat Tarth Gurley? Uh, probably not. So that so being the case, he's got a he's got some learning to do. So what you're saying is really you kind of expected the Rams were going to get and the running back would be more of a veteran. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. if they're really, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right, David Long, third rounder, pick number seventy nine. I'm going to go with a B plus on the pick. I like it. It's growing on me. It'll probably it may want to be an A before long. Your grade, man, DC. I think you're cheating off my grade sheet, but I give him a B plus as well. <laughs> I can't even see your face right now, man. I know. <laughs> okay, Bobby Evans, 
Offensive tackle, I'm going to go A. I, I love this pick. I like the fact that the Rams have shown us over time. They look for versatile guys. He's a high-character guy who's learning a, a very good offensive line coach. So there we go, Bobby Evans. I'm going A. Where are you going? I'm I'm somewhat similar going to somewhat with our running back pick in regards to Mr. Henderson. Uh, I'm going to give Mr. Evans a B, solid B, B plus, uh, just because he's got guys that are legitimately in front of him that he'll really have to compete to to unseat. But I'll give him definite B, B plus. Okay, so moving on, sponsorship here. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawks, Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Rebound players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks' book online at hollowesteam.com and on Twitter at Team. It's available with a hardback and electronic form and also is at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Folks, I'm telling you, it's a great read. It's worth your time, especially if you love the history of this franchise. Oh, and by the way, all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, which goes, uh, which works hard to pull people out of the gang life and help make them into productive members of society. Trust me, check it out. Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. Okay, so the second half of the draft here. We begin with the fourth round pick, and that would be Gray Gaines. Now, the Rams moved up quite a bit to get him. They were back in the 160s, and they traded up, and they go after Gray Gaines, defensive lineman from Washington. I looked him up. I'm not as in love with this pick, not because they there wasn't a need there, but he was projected to go a little bit later. And so I kind of feel like the Rams reached a little early to go get this guy. If they wanted him later, they probably could have. That's my thoughts on him, but there's no doubt they needed to replace Sue if they could, and they believe they found the guy who can do that. What are your thoughts on Greg Gaines? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't consider it a reach just for the simple fact they had dropped down, and then obviously through the evaluation and things, they saw a guy that was there, that they could easily go back up and get. And so I, I think it was a great move on their part in the sense, again, this guy played in the local area at La Harbor High School. He was a Morris Trophy, you know, which is considered a winner, which is considered the best D lineman in the Pac-12. And the cool thing about that is it's selected by opposing players. And if you remember what we talked about, you know, earlier in the season, last season is – the greatest compliment you can get as a player at any level is being selected by your peers because those are the guys who typically are truthful about, hey, this guy can play and is well-deserving. So I love that that's the thing, and I love the fact that he's he's more of an actual nose uh, tackle as opposed to Sue. He moved inside, but he's more 
a D tackle, but this guy's more of a nose himself. So uh, I love this pick uh, for Greg Gaines. Well, I mean, and it's not that I hate the pick, by the way. It's just I felt like they could get him a little bit further back. Like they maybe they spent a little bit too much to get him. But on the same token, I've always been a believer that if there's a guy you want and you're so sold on him that you have to have him, why risk leave him on the board? Go get him. And I think that's what they believe with Greg Gaines. And nobody really saw this coming. I didn't see any one Rams analyst talking about Greg Gaines to the Rams. So the Rams obviously saw something in him that we didn't see. My grade for him is a B for now. Your grade? My grade for him is a, actually a B plus just because he fits the mold of a true nose tackle and because the Rams, you know, went up to get their guy at that position that what they needed. And I think what, uh, not, I think I know what coach Phillips, he's going to get coached up and he's going to be a good fit for us. All right. So round five, pick one sixty nine. the Rams go back to offensive line. So I know you and I are both loving this. We want an offensive line help. David Edwards, offensive tackle, Wisconsin. He's a second tackle picked by the Rams. And, I think the key thing here is Rob Havenstein also went to Wisconsin. So there's going to be a little bit of camaraderie there already. Wisconsin offensive linemen, especially tackles, almost always pan out. So I really, really like this pick by the Rams. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to surprise some people with how much he does develop. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I definitely agree. You know, when you look at Wisconsin linemen and, and the climate they play in year in and year out, you know, they're known for being nasty. You know, they get down and they get after it. Uh, what's cool about David Edwards is that he's still an underclassman. But, uh, you know, I read somewhere that Joe Thomas, the great uh, Hall of Fame, soon-to-be lineman from uh, the Bengals, right. uh, talked to him in the state. Uh, Browns, I'm sorry, <laughs> the Bengals. Wow, thinking about you. <laughs> but talked him into coming back to college after his sophomore year. I guess he was going to declare. Came back for this year and felt that he did well enough. And here he is as a fifth round pick. But the fact that he's taking some advice from a great like Joe Thomas, that's pretty good. And so uh, I think when you add him into the mix again, who can play some other positions. Again, the Rams are doing a great job of preparing for now and the future. All right, so my grade for him is going to be a B plus. Your grade for him? Uh, I'm gonna give him a B minus only because of his youth, and so being younger gives him a little more upside to grow. So B B minus. All right, so round seven, pick two forty three. Nick Scott, safety, Penn State. I will say right flat out, I love the pick. I think he could actually make this team as a special teams guy. He's a leader in the locker room. He's a captain. Um, yeah, there's no chance of him ever being a starter. But he can make a. He can make it as a backup. He can make it especially as a special teamer. And the Rams do need some help with some movement happening on their on their special teams. I love it. I'm going to go A already. Nick Scott, safety, Penn State. Your call. Well, I, I I like a lot about uh, Mr. Nick Scott. You know, I was an eighth round pick, so I wouldn't even been on the draft board. So I can tell this guy he was a graduate student as well. 
this past year. And so he's very versatile. He's a former running back at Penn State on the college level before moving to defense. And, you know, he also played some cornerback before switching to safety. So all those things to me are very impressive that he's really only had one year at the safety position, but with the corner skills and the ability to play different positions, running back, you know, he's he's going to develop into even better uh, ball hawking uh, skills, even though he had three picks this year. So I think this is a great pick for the Rams. Uh, absolutely. He was a, a captain chosen by them, played special teams. So he's already done that. So this is going to be a great addition. I give him a B minus. B minus. Okay. So Dakota Allen is the linebacker from Texas Tech taken with our last pick of the draft, round seven, 251 overall. He's an interesting one. He was on the Netflix series called Last Chance You. So all of you who have Netflix, go on, go check it out. He's on there. He went there. He's on the show after he kicked out of Texas Tech when he was arrested for second degree felony burglary way, way back when. He was expelled. Again, expelled from Texas Tech. He redeemed himself at East Mississippi College, came back to Texas Tech, finished out his career, and now the Rams take him. Uh, He became a captain there at Texas Tech. He basically changed his life and found a way. So I don't know if he'll make the team. There is some belief that he would have been drafted a little bit higher if he hadn't gone through the problems he went through. But it's a good story. And they do need help at linebacker. And if he, if Dakota Allen finds a way here again behind some great teachers with the Rams, it'll be a great pick and a heck of a story to keep telling our kids in the future. So for me, I'll go B. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are all those things you talked about, uh, you know, the character concerns, and, and you hopefully chalk it up to inexperience. You're on a college campus and you know you just made some not so mature mistakes and you look at hey this is an opportunity for me to really uh impact my life my family's life and you take advantage of it and yes in that case would be a great great story but the one thing that you can't substitute is speed so the fact that he may only be running a four seven at the linebacker position that doesn't give yeah. you a lot of opportunity to play man on man on you know with certain skills now my hope is because sometimes these 40 times don't correlate into playing speed so it may be a four seven on a 40 yard dash on the clock but he may be playing lights out and nobody can't get away from him on the field so uh, but time will tell, but definitely I give him a C plus. I look at him being making the team special teams and then working his way into the rotation somehow. Okay, so overall, what is your what's your grade now for the Rams this draft? Overall, I'm gonna give him a, a, a B minus. B minus B plus, you know. Well that's a, a B plus to a B minus is a pretty big difference. Yeah, well more like a B B plus. Okay, B, okay, B that's plus. closer. So what's your thinking here? Why? Well, I think overall they they did uh, an outstanding job given the picks and the up and down and back and forth. I definitely think they went and met a lot of the needs. And if 
all the picks pan out as they're slotted to, uh, you're going to see the Rams again having now some depth and a lot of young guys again on these three, four year contracts, unless these guys just get super, you know, three or four Pro Bowls under their belt. So you got a lot of depth for the future if all these guys just pan out and do what they've been drafted to do. I'm going to give it a B plus. I like how many holes they tried to fill. I think that they were pretty intelligent about how they moved around the board and they went for guys they wanted and guys that they felt they needed. It wasn't a case where they wasted picks. There's not one wasted pick in this draft. And a lot of times it seems like teams throw just stuff at a wall and stuff meaning something else and hope it sticks. And in this case, it didn't happen with the Rams. They they found the guys they need. And to be honest, and I mentioned this to you before we started the show, they've earned a little bit of leeway because of how well they've drafted and they've been developing players. They are, they already have Noteboom and Allen stepping in. They they believe in those guys so much, they let John Sullivan go and they let Roger Saffold go. So there's some serious belief in their in the program there. There was an article that Vinny Bonsignore wrote last week about the draft process for the Rams and how in-depth it actually is. They've earned some leeway here for me in terms of some of the guys I might have questions on that maybe five, six years ago I would have been much more, let's say, critical of. They've earned it. And by the way, it's about time they earned it, quite frankly. It's been a hard team to cover for the last 10, 15 years, you know? Well, absolutely. Well, once you get your head coaching position solidified, and Coach McVay has absolutely done that with what he's done offensively, what he's done as far as organizing and creating a culture. Now you got stability at that position. Now with uh, Les Need in his position, having a couple of these rounds, they're seeing eye to eye, they have a formula, they have a structure, and then they're just now kind of getting on autopilot, if you will, on how they're drafting guys, the type of guys that they want to add to the roster to fill holes and things like that. And I look at this draft especially favorably in the sense of all the guys aren't looked at to just come in and make a big bang. They've got enough of the first rounder type guys in front of them at these positions that they can actually come in and be solidify the the backup roles and learn as you go without so much pressure of being a rookie having to be a starter now and I think all that is going to play into a great benefit for the Rams season. Okay, so before we move on, folks, do ahead and say if you want to sponsor us, reach out to us at RamsTalk1945 at gmail.com. Also, leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. And also, by the way, we have a Dodgers podcast coming out. We're calling it Bleeding Blue. And the Angels podcast, Talking Halos, which actually goes on the air tonight. So if you like one of those teams, most of you are Dodgers fans, and I, I – I don't mind it one bit, guys. Go listen to the Dodgers podcast and a couple of us that listen that are Angels fans. Um, you can go check out TalkingHalos.com. Talk, so not not TalkingHalos.com, but TalkingHalos, the podcast. Okay, so we only got a few minutes left here, but we do want to get a quick look at the rest of the draft. Who were your winners of the draft, Mike, and who were the big losers for you in the draft? 
Well, you know, winners and losers, I guess it's all relative, right? But I, I think obviously, you know, I'm going to just go with the losers just right off the top. <laughs> okay, you go. Know, I'm, I'm putting, you know, Dave Gettleman and the Giants right up here at the top spot. You know, I, I just don't get some of the things they are doing. But, I, I, I mean, you know, you, you get some guys for this guy or that guy. But, you know, the pick that they took at quarterback is just interesting. So, I guess we'll see how it pans out, you know. Most everybody doesn't see it working well. So I'm putting them up there. I'm putting Houston Texans up there as well, as long as the Detroit Lions is the losers. Oh, why Detroit? Well, you got to look at, uh, you know, a lot of things that, that they did. I mean, it's almost like duplication of things, but. I like some of the things they did to try to help Matthew Stafford, but. I mean, are they going to really line up three tight ends, and who they're going, who are they going to try to feed? You know, so again, it just looked like a lot of duplication and things like that. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes with Detroit. You know, I didn't see a whole lot in terms of teams as losers in this draft. I thought, for the most part, teams are pretty well meeting their needs. Even Oakland, after the the weird whole Cleveland Farrell, Cleveland Farrell pick at four, right. I thought they pretty much stayed in line with where guys should be taken. They hit needs, and in the end, I think Oakland actually had a pretty decent draft. So, I guess I can if they saw something in Farrell that other people didn't see to, to take him at four, then more power to them. I'm not going to call him a loser based off one pick. So what I'm going to go back to the same thing you did. I hate to copy off of you here, but the Giants with Gettleman there, uh, Daniel Jones at six, Gettleman came out and said, hey, listen, I there were going to be other teams taking Daniel Jones by, by 17. I'm going to call that a bunch of, a bunch of well, <laughs> you know what. Okay? A bunch of hoo, that wasn't right? happening. That was not happening. Okay? There was not a big demand on quarterbacks in this draft. You can see that by how teams passed on Haskins as well. And Drew Locke didn't go to the second round. Drew Locke was was mocked by many people to go 10 with the 10th pick of the draft. Didn't go to 42. So I just look at it and say, if you really think he was going to be there at 17, didn't think he was going to be there at 17, sorry, then I think you probably need to be drug tested. Um, I'm just going to say that flat out. And then Deshaun Lawrence... Not Sean, is it Deshaun? Um, Dexter Lawrence, okay? Dexter yes, Lawrence, yeah. he was expected to be a late first-round, possibly even second-round guy, and they went and got him at 17. Now, the one saving grace there, the Giants are running more of a 3-4 now. Okay, so I get it. It makes sense. But the whole process here is that the Giants probably could have made some moves down and got the guys they wanted. Probably. And for that reason alone, I have a I have a lot of problems with this draft. Their draft seems to have straightened out later on, but you really when you have two picks in the first round and there's reason to believe you could have traded out trade down and gotten both guys anyways, you know, I'm not buying that. I'm sorry. It's just poor job. Winners, you know, I really like the job the Bengals did, believe it or not. I thought that 
I thought the 49ers did a solid job, as much as I hate to say that. It makes me sick. So, <laughs> gosh. And the Patriots, I, gosh, I, I've been really hard in the Patriots and believing the Patriots are heading down that path now where their dynasty's on the way out, but they had a solid draft as well. So, you know, they didn't, it was actually a really good draft. Well, well-moved draft. Now, and it was also weird how the Rams and Patriots had three trades together in the first round, so it started in the draft itself, which is really neat. You could tell these two organizations have bonded a bit, and I think the Rams have made the call to sort of emulate the good things that New England has done over the years. And while I am by no means a Patriots fan, I can definitely say that we can at least understand and respect the, the Patriots have done a lot to stay on top for nearly 20 years, man. The, the reality is they've been dominant for almost 20 years. Can you believe that, Mike? 20 years. Yeah, well, you you, you kind of look at it and, and you're reminding me of the Super Bowl, right? And Sean McVay and the things he said about Belichick before the game. It's almost like a passing of the torch, if you will. Hey, uh, Sean, this is how I've done it. Man, I appreciate the the respect you gave me. I'm going to give you a little bit as I'm eventually going out this door. I'm going to give you a few things. And it seems like it's it's almost a passing of the torch with them kind of working on this trades and different things like this. Uh, and real quick, one of the other losers that ended up being a winner was Josh Rosen. I think him going to Miami – is going to be an absolute steal. You know, everybody's saying they're tanking, but I don't believe one minute that Brian Flores is going to go down there and be tanking. It's just not in the DNA coming out of a Belichick tree. So I think Josh Rosen landed in a pretty big spot, and, you know, I think he'll he'll take over the starting role. And I would say that Miami will end up right there in the hunt at 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't know that they'll go that far. I think they're still missing a lot of talent, but Miami had a good draft too. And when I, I just want to say this about the Cardinals, okay? Because it bothered me. I don't. There are a lot of people who don't like Josh Rosen. There are a lot of people out there who don't. But I can tell you this: what happened there with the Cardinals was garbage. And so what we've seen in the last two years, pretty much since Bruce Arians retired, we've seen a lot of the real problems within the Cardinals organization come out. And I gotta say, man, it's Bush League. This is a team that not too long ago was competing for division titles, and the behavior right now is not of a class organization. How they did that with Josh Rosen was ridiculous. So best wishes to him, and I don't see how the Cardinals can keep can improve quickly when you have that kind of poorly run organization. Well, it's interesting because it's similar to what happened to Sam Bradford. I mean, they brought him in with the idea – and then they draft Josh Rosen to only like, yeah, Sam, you're just kind of a lame duck. So obviously he doesn't play like a guy who was there as a guy leading, supposedly leading the team. He played as a guy looking over his shoulder. You know, I think with the Cardinals, you know, it's a loser in the sense of, yeah, those points you made in regards to, man, what is going on with the organization? They draft a guy in the first round, then he's gone the next year. We bring in a head coach, never coached at this level, coming off some winning seasons out of college. That never happens. Only to say, 
And yeah, when you come, we're going to allow you just to change this whole offense unless they absolutely feel that Kyler Murray with and link with Kingsbury is now going to get them into the playoffs last Super Bowl. You know, I don't know overall how that is, but as I've always said, if you can get your money, get your money any way you can. Well, that's how you do it. But real quick on Bradford. Remember, Bradford actually signed there with basically a one-year deal with possibly for more, but he also signed there knowing they were going to draft the quarterback. What they what they really did wrong Bradford is they really should have sat Rosen all year. They shouldn't. He sure. should not play in the game this year, and they should have just been developing him. And they right. gave on Bradford quickly and threw Rosen to the fire, and they wonder why Rosen why Rosen struggled. That was garbage. That was garbage. Yeah, I mean, they did that, and then the coach who brought there to help kind of change the culture or continue the culture, you know, he ends up getting one year and done, you know. So it was a little bush league across the board that you don't even really get a coach a time to change some things up. You just go, oh, we're just going to go in a totally different direction. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this Cardinal thing uh, pans out. All right, folks. Well, guess what? That's it for us for tonight. We'll have more this week. We have we didn't even get to the undrafted free agent signings that are still being ironed out. So midweek podcast will cover that. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Find me on Twitter at DC Paula. That's D C I A P A L A. You can find Mike at One Duke Twenty Three. Don't forget us in iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. And don't forget that IEBeatRed.com plays our shows on Sundays and Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. For Michael, this is Derek C. Apollo. The draft is over. The offseason is fully off now. It's all over. <laughs> time for us to enter the tour on the league. Any final thoughts before we go, there, Mike? Hey, man, I think the Rams did well, and I am looking forward to the rest of this uh, offseason and OTAs and hearing what comes out of camp and as we said before, it'll be interesting to see what the deal is with Gurley. All right, and there you go. We'll be talking more. Have a great night. I'll be back in midweek. See ya. See ya. type of drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.